So we come to practice in samadhi for the sake of bringing the mind to stillness, to peace. Because when the mind is always experiencing these objects that it does, then it will get pulled into liking and disliking. And this then creates a lot of proliferation in the mind continuously. So therefore the training of our minds is something very important. And this mind is a knowing element, that which knows its objects. And some people, they wonder what the mind is. And this is what it is. It's uh, an element which knows all of its objects, all of these experiences. But for the most part, people don't train their minds. And when they experience these impressions, uh, then the mind will be giving rise to a sense of self. It will be taking these in terms of me and them. So this is the mind that is deluded in these sense impressions. And that's why Lumpur Cha, he taught us to practice so that we don't get deluded. We don't uh, mistake these things for being a self, for being me, for being other. And so we train our minds like this because it's uh, normal in the state that we're in, having been born into this life, that we have a, an idea or a feeling of self. And it's this self this feeling that I exist, um, that gives us effort, effort to study, effort to go out and work, to support and raise a family, and also the effort to come and practice, to take the five precepts, the eight precepts, or for those who have faith to come and ordain as a monk. It inspires us to build up goodness. But the Buddha also saw that the faculties of beings, um, our capabilities are different, our barami that we have uh, varies, and some people have a lot, and it just required one single teaching from the Buddha for them to attain to a level of awakening, either from Sotapanna to uh, Arahant. And he gave the comparison to different uh, horses, different types of horses, uh, for some, all they need to do is just see the whip being raised and they'll start galloping. For some, they need to be hit once and then they'll start to gallop. But for the most part, they have to constantly be hit with this whip in order to run. And whenever they uh, stop being hit, then they'll stop running then. Some horses, however, no matter how hard and how much you hit them, they just don't move. And these horses are useless. So our minds are the same. If we don't have effort, then they're unteachable. And if we don't try and train these minds, then they'll always be following after the impressions, always giving rise to suffering. And this brings a lot of um, waste to the mind. It can destroy a lot. And that's because of the delusion there. So we ha now have this opportunity to practice, and we should use that well, in order to see that there isn't really a self there. And this insight may come temporarily. 
you know, that we just stay in this, sorry, this insight comes that we just stay in this world temporarily. These bodies are something that we just take up for some amount of time. And uh, just like the houses that we reside in, they may be big homes or small homes, they may be uh, houses that we've bought or those that we rent, but no matter what the case, we don't stay in them for long. Either the house will break first, or we break first, and that's just normal. It's difficult to find people who live longer than a hundred years. Even those who live 90 years or above are uh, quite hard to find, and we say that they've lived a very long life. And now the um, life expectancy is about 75 years old. And those who can live longer than that have a lot of merit. And so at the time of the Buddha, the people lived to about 120 years old. You see that people's merits, their barami, their spiritual virtues, uh, differ from one another. So we should come to study, come to contemplate into the nature of inconstancy, of things just not staying still, how it always changes, how these things are not sure. And this state of change is nature. It's just that our minds, they don't really accept this. They don't really take on these laws of nature, that all physicality, all mentality is unstable. That it's not actually me, none of it actually belongs to us. None of our minds really can accept this. Why is that? It's because we haven't trained these minds, they don't have wisdom. But in order for the mind to gain wisdom, they need to be brought to a state of stillness first. And just like how we train in samadhi, maybe we chant for a very, very long time, go through this chant of Itipi so many rounds. And that's for the sake of inner stillness. And if our minds are brought into a decent state of samadhi, um, then all we'll have to do is just chant Itipi so once, and the mind reaches stillness. So we don't have to do a lot of chanting in that case. We can maybe just recite Arahang Samma Sambuddho, and the mind reaches a state of inner peace. It doesn't take long. Or perhaps it's just this one word of Buddha. We recollect that Buddha means the awakened one, uh, the joyful one. And the mind becomes peaceful then. And so if we practice like this, if we can do this, then it shows that we have barami, we have a lot of merit. But if our minds aren't brought to peace through this, then we need to chant for very long periods to recite these chants over and over. And this becomes the causes and conditions for peace to arise. And at the very least, when we're chanting, we're abandoning evil, we're abandoning harmful deeds, we're giving rise to skillfulness, and we're bringing about inner purity. And the mind becomes peaceful. And this peace is the home of our hearts. So we see that samadhi brings great benefit to us. But the samadhi needs to be correct as well. It needs to be, the mind needs to be well established in the right way. And what that means is that it's well established in terms of its purpose, that we're bringing about samadhi for the sake of developing clear insight, of reaching freedom. 
So what is it that we should contemplate into? Wherever the mind is deluded, whatever it is that the heart attaches to, then we should reflect upon those things. And uh, we see and um, contemplate in order to relieve the, ta- the attachment that we have to these things. That these things that we take to be me, we should contemplate them. We see that all of us want happiness, none of us want to suffer. So why is it then that our hearts experience sadness and stress? It's because our views are incorrect. And if our views are right, then they are in line with the truth. And we won't be disobeying or going against nature. The mind will see the truth like this already. So the Buddha said that he's right in front of us already. It's just that we don't see him because there are things obstructing our eyesight. There are things obstructing our hearts. And that's all of these sense impressions that our minds attach to and get attracted and averse towards. All of the anger, the greed, hatred and delusion, the love, the fear, the sleepiness, the restlessness, the doubts in the heart. These all work to obstruct the mind, to prevent it from reaching peace. And just like how there can be obstructions, barriers um, along a road, and if we're traveling in a car and we meet with one of these obstructions, then we can't travel any further. But if we clear that out of the way, then we can continue on our journey. So the mind also has these barriers, um, these obstructions towards peace. And we see just in the space of one day, the mind can go off and think about the past, go off into the future, and it does this without rest. It's never still, it's always worried, always stirred up. So the Buddha taught us that we should train our minds and bring them to one of the samatha gamatanas, one of these meditation objects which bring about peace. So that can be buddho dhammo sanko or buddhang saranangachami. And whatever it is that we use, we should be confident that this meditation object, once we use it, once we recollect it, it will really bring about peace. We shouldn't doubt uh, this meditation practice, but rather put our efforts into it, do it a lot, cultivate it a lot, carry on without stopping, do it continuously in this way, all throughout the day. Whenever we have the time, then we bring up this chanting, and we do that throughout the entire day. And by doing this, then the mind easily or more easily reaches peace. And when it's in a peaceful state, then it will experience this joy, this rapture, this fullness of heart, this happiness, that which comes about through inner peace. And even though um, this doesn't extract the defilements, the defilements are still there, we still need to rely upon this peace initially, this rapture, this fullness of heart, because this is what brings the mind to a beautiful state. It makes us a kalyana chana, a beautiful being. So we should really train our minds like this. Whatever it is that our minds don't yet understand, we should contemplate that. So we look into this body that we take to be me, belonging to me, And we ask ourselves, what actually is it? The hair on our head, is that me? The hair uh, throughout the body, is that me? 
the nails, the teeth, the skin, are those things mine? We should contemplate those. And we see that if the breath is absent, then what happens? If it doesn't occur, if it doesn't come in, go, go out for just five minutes, will we die? Will this body break apart? Will it start to decay? What will it be like? And uh, when we look into this, we see the body break apart. We see it decay. We see it disappear. We also see that there isn't a self there. And that all things are like this. It's just that the mind comes in, takes residence on this body, and takes possession of it as well. It gets uh, deluded by all of these conventions. So Lumpucha, he taught us to understand these conventional realities that the mind and the world give rise to. We should come to understand these things and abandon the attachments that we have. Because whatever it is that we're attached to gives rise to suffering in our heart. So therefore, whenever we experience anything, and as any sense object that appears, and the mind goes and attaches to that, we should have mindfulness over that knowing of that object. Know that the mind is attracted or averse towards it. Know that the mind is giving rise to feelings of love and hate and fear. Have mindfulness, contemplating, teaching our minds. Having this one who knows, teaching the heart, telling ourselves these things are not sure, these things are inconstant, teaching ourselves in this way. Always be reiterating this, going over this point over and over. These things are inconstant, these things are not sure. When the mind is in a peaceful state, it'll be still, it won't be proliferating. And here the, the state of the Dhamma will appear for us. This nature of arising and ceasing will appear clearly. And so this seeing into the Dhamma is something that all of us are able to do. Lay people can do it as well. It's just what we need is to really put our efforts into cultivating our hearts. But we all have this opportunity to see the Dhamma, to understand the Dhamma. We're all the same in this. We don't differ, whether it's lay people, whether it's monks. So for all of us, we need to really set our hearts on this. Because the Buddha is right in front of us. He's right close by. He's not far away. And we all have a great amount of faith in the Buddha. And if we heard that a Buddha had arisen in the world, in our time, then we would have to go and travel to pay respects to him. Even though it may be very difficult, very arduous, even though um, it may be now with this COVID pandemic spreading about, we wouldn't be afraid We'd have to go, we'd have to go and bow to him, listen to his Dhamma. And if uh, Barami was enough, then we'd be able to reach the stage of Sotapanna, of Sakadagami, Anagami, or Arahanship. But the Buddha actually taught us, he told us that he's right close to us, he's right in front of us. It's just that we need to cultivate our minds, to put in our efforts in order to be able to see him. But what really takes us away and obstructs uh, the cultivation of our minds is the delusion, the amusement that we find in all of these sense experiences. And just like the chatter that we get involved in. And these things, they slow down our minds, they 
drain our efforts. And if we have efforts, however, effort, however, uh, we need to make sure that effort is also correct, meaning that we need to have mindfulness there along with the effort, looking at our mind as well. Whatever comes up in the heart, whether it's conventions that come up, whether it's proliferation, uh, whether it's thoughts, or anything the mind is conscious of, happiness, suffering, we reflect upon that, that these things are unstable, these things are not sure. We put in our efforts in this way, keeping the mind here in the present moment, no matter what feelings of happiness or sadness arise. So all of us are able to practice in this way, whether we are laity, whether we are monastics, we can do this. And uh, we should look into these things, um, seeing the nature of arising and ceasing within everything, all of the feelings that come up. If we like something, then we see that arises and ceases. And uh, none of these feelings, we can't store them away in a bank account like we would money. They're not physical properties, rather they're mental properties, so they arise and cease, arise and cease. Suffering that we experience, we don't like that, but that also comes and goes. It's a phenomena that is of the nature to arise and cease. All the liking and ceasing, all the liking and disliking is this way. Because these things are not material. So when things are this way, then we should put our efforts into practicing, into teaching ourselves these things are not sure, they're inconstant. And when things are not sure uh, like this... um, then we shouldn't go and attach to them. All the things that we like, all the things that we dislike, these are all not sure. And seeing this, the mind lets go of its attachments. And even though this may be temporarily, it's still um, something that we do experience. It still gives rise to samadhi and wisdom. So when we have wisdom, then we'll be able to contemplate effectively into the arising and ceasing of conditioned phenomena. And this is something that we go over, over and over again, that these things are not sure, these things are inconstant. Sometimes, however, wisdom doesn't arise. And that's because of the scatteredness of the mind, because of all these proliferations, because of the drowsiness, because of all the doubts there. And when the mind uh, receives a sense impression, when we experience something, then it goes off into anger and fear and love and hate. At this point, we must bring up our powers of patient endurance. There may be the presence of unskillful qualities in the mind. The mind may be doing quite harmful things, but we need to endure, to bring up mindfulness, to know these things. Um, And even though we may not be able to contemplate at that moment, uh, we shouldn't just try and run away. We shouldn't try and uh, just get out of that, but rather be present with it, have our awareness here knowing, asking ourselves, why is it that we're suffering? Because it's normal that when we feel happy, we just don't want to contemplate that. It's very difficult to contemplate. But when we're suffering, then we'll try and understand that suffering. So therefore, when the suffering does arise, then we should bring up wisdom as well and see the truth of that see that all of these forms of suffering, they all have their causes, that every type of phenomena 
has a cause which brings it into being. So we should contemplate into that, just like Venerable Sariputta did, uh, that he received this teaching that all qualities, whether they are feelings of happiness, feelings of sadness, they all have causes that give rise to them. All of these things arise and cease. And through understanding this, he was able to see into the Dhamma. So the Buddha taught Venerable Asaji like this, and he in turn taught Venerable Sariputta that all Dhammas uh, have causes that make them arise. And when those causes are absent, then they cease. So all of us, we should contemplate arising and ceasing in this way. And by doing this, we're contemplating into emptiness. Our minds are all originally in a bright and pure state. It's just we don't see that radiance um, because um, there's all this proliferation there. There's all these things which obstruct that brightness. So therefore, our mind, it is a knowing element. And it is something that we can bring to a state of purity. And if the mind and its defilements were the same thing, then there's no way that we would be able to extract the defilements out of our hearts. But it's because the defilements and the mind are two different things that we're able to bring about this purity. We're able to reach this brightness. And the mind um, was there first, and these defilements, they come in afterwards. But they arise and they are there just so frequently. And throughout the space of one day, the defilements, they come up so, so frequently. In the space of just one day, when our eyes see a form, when we hear something, then there's always the sense of self, of me and mine. There's happy feelings, there's sad feelings. But initially, we need to take these happy feelings that come from merit, that come from skillful qualities, and rely upon them. The happiness, the sense of inner ease that we get from building up goodness, from bringing the heart to peace, we need to rely upon these first. And uh, when we don't harm any beings, then we feel at ease inly, internally. If we chant a lot, then we feel inner joy. And uh, that's because we're recollecting these wholesome objects. So this brings us great benefit. So when we chant, then we do so with faith, and we don't stop. And if we do this, then the mind will need to reach peace. And when the mind comes into a state of peace and samadhi, it can be really amazing what we experience. All this joy that comes up in the heart, that the, the body feels really compact, just like a rock. And it can be a great sense of joy, of happiness. This can happen for one whole day, or maybe many days, maybe many months, even six months. The mind can always be in the state of samadhi. And at this point, it's very conducive to the arising of wisdom. So when samadhi comes about, then we contemplate into this body, seeing it as being a collection of elements, seeing it as being something unattractive. Contemplating, seeing these elements decay, break apart, disband. And when we see the body break apart like this, then we'll see into the Dhamma. We see that all material things are of the nature to fall apart, to decay. When we understand the arising and ceasing, we see into the Dhamma clearly, 
At this point, sila, samadhi, and panya, this virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, they all come together. The maga, the path, comes together. All of the qualities that give rise to knowledge and awakening, these all gather together, and the mind understands with clarity. This knowledge comes up from our practice. And then we look back over our practice, and we realize that this liberation that we experience arose due to wisdom. The wisdom that we gained came about from samadhi. The samadhi that we gained had a basis of virtue, and we're able to keep virtue due to the faith that we had. And uh, this faith was brought about through seeing into the drawbacks, into the danger and the cycle of birth and death. So therefore we should all give rise and cultivate our barami and not be heedless. For those who have faith, we should chant. And uh, we should do a lot of sitting meditation, walking meditation, cultivating our hearts, do this continuously throughout the day. And if we can do that, it shows we have faith. Because in order to do that, we need faith. Always looking after our minds, making sure they don't get attracted or averse. And this here is the path that takes us to seeing the Dhamma. And so this wisdom arises clearly. We see this arising and ceasing right here in front of us, and that inside it's not shaken. We see that this is the path that takes us to seeing the Dhamma, and we go forward without retreating. We have this belief into the teachings of the Buddha, and we see clearly into their truth, the teachings of uh, these great masters, of Lumpucha, for instance, Um, And they put their effort into always teaching us, so we should follow these teachings with our efforts as well, to really practice them. And if we carry on going without stopping, then we'll need to experience the truth of these teachings. If we can do this, then it won't be long, until we taste the flavor of the Dhamma, until we see the Dhamma, And so we really put our efforts um, into this, into not being heedless. And uh, just like how if we drill the hole into the ground, then we'll need to meet with water. Maybe just 50 meters we'll find water, or maybe it's 100, maybe it's 200 meters. But if we carry on drilling, then we'll have to meet with water. If we have the tools there, then we'll need to meet this groundwater. And so if we have these tools to contemplate, and we use them without stopping, then we'll have to see into the nature of all physicality and mentality, how these things are always changing. So we carry on, and we contemplate these teachings over and over, and then we gain an understanding into them. And this is something that Lumpucha taught us to do. And uh, also Lumpu Tongrat, one of Lumpucha's teachers, um, he gave quite a simple teaching to a monk that came to receive his instruction. It was an elderly monk who had read a lot of the scriptures. And Lumpur Tongrat, he brought him to a stump that was rotting in the forest. And he asked him, do you see that stump there? And he said, well, make your mind just like the stump. So he didn't give a lot of instruction. And this monk reflected on that teaching, well, what do I do? How do I make my mind like this? 
he saw that that stump, it's oblivious to the things that go on. It, um, or rather, it's indifferent to them. If someone kicks it, if someone pours water on it, it doesn't react in any way. It doesn't give rise to liking or disliking. So he understood that this was a teaching to make his mind uh, indifferent, to make it not go into liking or disliking whatever comes up, to train our minds to not get attached to those things, just like that stump. And so he took this tree stump as his teacher, and through doing that he was able to see into the Dhamma. So we all have teachers who lay out this path of practice, and all it requires now is for us to put in our efforts. And uh, all of our hearts, they have a Buddha there within them. Every The Buddha is within everything. This nature of awakening is there within everything. All of these knowing elements have the Buddha there. It just requires our effort. We need to seek out that Buddha in order for it to arise, to appear for us. And uh, if we don't seek him out, then he just can't come up. And just like if there is some information and we don't put an effort to find that information, we won't see it. Even if we have two sticks of bamboo, if we don't strike them against each other, then heat won't arise. These things all require our effort, and freedom from suffering is the same. So we should try. And uh, when we have... Oh, sorry, sometimes... Um, even though we put in our efforts, um, we feel like we can't really do anything with what's happening. Um, and at those points, we just need to endure. If there's a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot of hate, then we endure with that. We bring up this quality of kanti first. And we need to train our minds like this. And this is how Lumpur Cha taught us to bring up this endurance first, to be restrained and collected first, to not flee, to not run away. And for the monks who are staying in cremation grounds and deep uh, forests, even though they experienced a lot of fear, the fear of death, um, still they were determined to, to stay, to not run away, to not retreat, to endure, to contemplate. And uh, through this, samadhi will arise, wisdom arises, seeing the body as being not self. And through this, the mind becomes very at ease. It's just that when the mind doesn't have knowledge, then it becomes deluded into everything that it, that it experiences. And uh, so there's this fight that goes on in the heart, that between knowledge and delusion. And when delusion is in control, then there'll be a lot of emotions, a lot of fear and love and hate. Maybe we go to stay in a cremation ground and uh, there's this fear of death there. Or we stay in a deep forest and we're afraid of tigers, that they'll come and eat us. We've got no idea where these tigers are, but we're afraid of them, afraid of death. But if we have wisdom arise, um, then we'll be able to contemplate and accept the truth. We need to practice, however, even though we may be living a lay life, we still need to train ourselves, and this is possible, to do a lot of chanting, to go through this chant of Itipiso 108 times, many, many rounds. Keep going, don't stop, until this chant becomes firmly fixed within the brain. To not send the mind outwards, because if we do that, then it'll always be giving rise to me and mind, and it's impossible to bring it to peace. 
But if we train ourselves like this, then I reckon it won't be long until we understand the Dhamma, this true Dhamma. That if we don't, uh, if we're not lazy, if we carry on this with this training, then it won't take long, just five years, and we'll be able to see into the Dhamma. If we practice consistently, if we do a lot of walking meditation, sitting meditation, always practicing. For monks, we train ourselves to eat just the right amount, to sleep just the right amount, to speak just the right amount, to not speak a lot, to be awake within our efforts, to always be sincerely training ourselves because we have this goal, we have the ideals of our life. But it's natural, however, that at times the mind may be shaken. Um, we, the mind isn't always in a good state. This is something normal, it's something very natural. But we also need to pass through these things. We need to train ourselves to get through them. So Lumpuchahi taught us to be sincere in this practice, to really focus on contemplating, contemplating these bodies. And for monks, this is what we should do. Go over hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth and skin. Kesa loma naka danta tachu. Contemplating the external body, contemplating the internal body, seeing it as being something not beautiful. So we peel off the skin as well and see the organs, the heart, the liver, the kidneys, the intestines there within it. Or we can do the ten asuba contemplations, um, reflect upon the body once it's died, that maggots come and infest the body and starts to decay, or we see the body as just being a bag of blood and contemplate very deeply into it and break all these things apart until it's just bones left. You see these bones decay and then we'll see that it's just emptiness, there's no self there. So we contemplate into each aspect of the body in order to bring about a collectedness for the mind to gather inwards. And we need to depend upon the strength of samadhi so that our contemplation can bring fruit of clear insight. And if that insight isn't clear, it's because our samadhi isn't well established. So I ask for all of you to really put your efforts on practice, um, to, to not let up in this life, um, to, to experience and realize the Buddha within our own hearts, to, because we all know the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. We know the goodness of these great teachers, Nupucha, for instance. And they've all given their teachings uh, for us. So what's left is for us uh, to firmly put into practice these principles that they've given us, to go over them, these things that they are constantly reiterated, so that we see them clearly for ourselves within our hearts, so that our faith is unshakable, and we have this inner knowing in the mind. And what that means is that we know everything. We know all the things that we experience, them all around. And we know that this body, we know that this mind is not me. We know that we know the state, the nature of all, uh, of this body, of all the feelings, of all perception, of all mental formations, and of all senses of consciousness in line with their nature. So may all of you have effort in this way, uh, both the monks and the laity.